Hey spooky people, welcome back to Unknown Compelling Force with your sexy hosts, Emily <laughs> and Marissa. Hey, that's us. <laughs> we are your home for all things spooky. We've got true crime, cryptids, paranormal, urban legends, UFOs, and the aliens inside them. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. We've got it all, sis. And aren't you lucky to be here now with us? Oh, very lucky to have found our small, tiny podcast. <laughs> you and tens of other people. So yeah, we got a pretty exciting, a very sleepy episode for you today. Oh yeah. Got a very sleepy episode. I mean, spooky, but still... Spooky and sleepy. Sleepy. The two words that define me most. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> I think I'm like 90% sleepy and 10% spooky, whereas on the other hand, you'd be like... I think I'm more of a 50-50. Yeah. You know? One of my students did say, all Miss Mercy cares about is animals and Halloween things. And I was like, you know, girlfriend? That's so accurate. You're correct. <laughs> Speaking of my job, though, fun fact, I don't have to wear a mask at work anymore, so that's an exciting thing I going on in that. my life. I saw that. And, like, I'm wondering if... I didn't work today, so I'm wondering if that's the same thing. They just... You know, I just didn't... I wasn't notified. It could be. I know they've been lifting the mask mandates in a lot of places, and in the general public, I do not trust it. Even oh, though no, no, no. I've been vaccinated for forever. I know, yeah. especially in Rochester, a lot of people are vaccinated. I just don't trust the general public. Mm -mm. But, like, I mean, I work in a small place, and as long as I don't have to wear the mask out on the playground for, like, three hours when it's so hot yep. and humid, that's when it kills me. I've, uh, I've been, like, putting it down to my chin anyway when I've been outside with the kids because it's literally like reaching 90 degrees yeah you're in the sun it really is the humidity Ugh. that makes it yeah. the worst because it's already like the air is so thick yeah it's and absolutely gross you can't have a mask during that you just can't I'm a little sad because like I have a lot of masks at this point I've made a bunch yeah. they're super cute the bottom half of my face is ugly I don't want strangers breathing on me etc and we do like I know me at least I've been doing the weird like mouth things subconsciously <laughs> yeah like weird mouth things yeah <laughs> like you know people you know have you ever see those tiktoks where people are like oh, no i'm if, not on tiktok i'm old if we you're like how many years older than me like two two <laughs> that's enough um oh yeah that's exciting i just turned 23 last week <gasps> happy birthday <laughs> i made all my friends which isn't many dress up as harry styles we did we dressed and up it as was harry great styles. and the dedication definitely it was really fun and then in two weeks, we are having our dad party that we mentioned. As soon as I had the idea, I I had to make it a reality. So we're having a dad-themed barbecue next weekend I'm where everyone has so to show excited. up dressed as a dad. We're going to dress as our dads, right? Yeah. We're going to be straight up Jim and Donald. Nick's going to be Paul. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited for this party. It's <laughs> and I, this time, we'll remember to post pictures on the yes. pod Instagram. I take themed parties very seriously. Like, you you didn't know me at the time, but when we did my middle school dance birthday party and everyone dressed like they did in middle school, and we turned our dining room, like, my dad used to be a DJ, so I used his old DJ lights. Oh my God. We made this excellent, like, middle school era playlist. Oh my God. So I'm talking T-Pain, yep. Kesha, yep. all that good shit, Baby Bash. Not gonna lie, so if good. I were at that party, I think I'd get a little bit of trauma coming back to me because middle know, school was the worst here's the thing middle school dances are dramatic and not nearly as fun as you want them to be because there's always drama that boy who's gonna dance with you never dances with you or maybe that only happened to me because i was ugly i don't know so this was our time to have the middle school dance we deserved 
We didn't have with alcohol, dances. which made it fun. And I had a oh. pinata. What? How'd you sneak in alcohol? No, I'm talking about my party. Oh. <laughs> because I was 24, so we had alcohol. Okay. <laughs> Why was I thinking you were still talking about middle school It was school so fun. Dances. Me and Nick, like, romantically danced to Fireflies by Owl City Aww. and Don't Want to Miss a Thing by, what is that, Aerosmith? Yes. It's fantastic. Ooh, yes. It was, it was really the best fucking party, okay? <laughs> it was so great. We had a photo. Anyway, so our dad party's gonna be great. I take themed parties very seriously. I'm fucking pumped. This is, I'm so excited. All right, we've talked about parties long enough. <laughs> Which is weird, because, like, we don't party. Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, anything else interesting going on in your life? Um, same old, same old. How about you? Uh, the huge. Although... Mm. Some interesting things happened in Rochester last week. Oh my god. So, there is a park near us. It's a beach park on Lake Ontario called Durand Eastman Park. Mm -hmm. And it's like a little strip of beach along Lake Ontario. We go there all the time to go swimming and whatever else. It's really fun. Super popular spot. We were thinking about going there for Memorial Day, but Mm -hmm. we figured it would be so packed that we just didn't bother. And it's a good thing we didn't. Why's that? Because they found a body. What? But here's (laughs) the best part. They only found half. Which half? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that's important. That's amazing. But yeah, they found half a body in the water. And and it was so interesting, the article I was reading. It was so weird because they said they found the remains of this woman who Mm -hmm. was found last week dead in her home. And I said, but she was found dead in her home is how she found also at the lake. Um, And then there was the lovely word dismembered. Oh, so half of her body was found, half of her body was found at her home and the other half was at the fucking river? Yeah. Whatever that is. At the lake, yeah. Who the fuck? Yeah, and okay, they already caught the guy who did it. I've been staying on top of this story. It was her boyfriend of like 10 years Mm, who I guess lived there with her. It's always the boyfriend. It's always the, it's always the partner. It really is. So... He, they were, like, in their 40s. He murdered her, chopped her up, left part of her body at her house and part of her at a lake. I don't know so why. So he just half-assed it? He was like, oh, I that guess. was too much fucking work. I'm not taking the other half. Right? I, I, I'm assuming it was, like, pieces. Some pieces were here, some pieces were there. So Jesus. who knows where there may be more pieces. So that might, okay, so my boss was literally talking about yesterday that they had found a hand. Yeah, like, that's... literally just a hand somewhere. It wasn't there. She said some other place, but I'm not from New York, so I don't know what she was talking about. So maybe that was from her. It could have been part of her, which is traumatic. That's very troubling. But they assumed it was him, and then he hadn't been seen in, like, a week until he was seen in, like, Maryland or something. So Mm -hmm. he was clearly on the run, and they just picked him up at a rest stop in West Virginia. So he's going to jail now. Wow. That's... What was he doing? Just fucking throwing body parts out the window as he drove? Yeah. Yeah. You know how sometimes people throw their trash out the windows? Those people are bad. Don't litter. <laughs> but, you know, also don't litter with body parts. <laughs> I was just saying, like, it, that sounded like you were talking about, like... Well, he bi- was treating it like her, her oh, body like trash, Okay, but so. that's biodegradable. <laughs> Not the bones. Yes, they, all parts of the your bones body... bones take a very long time. Not as long as plastic, Emily. <laughs> Maybe they should just make our bones out of plastic. <gasps> Maybe they should make straws out of bones. Okay, we're going somewhere now. <laughs> Bone straw. There we go. Market it. All right, that's enough chit-chat. Are we ready for our sleepy spooky ep? I'm very ready. This is, I feel like it's a scary topic for a lot of people. 
and I feel like it happens a lot more often than people like to admit. That's exactly true. This is exactly true. And that's the thing is that it can happen to anyone. It does happen to anyone. Happens to a lot of people, but we don't know how many for sure because Mm -hmm. people don't really talk Mm -hmm. about it. And there's nothing more helpless. Yeah, and there's no fucking reason for it to happen, to for it to occur. There's no, like, triggers, I don't really think, right? There are risk factors, but not necessarily triggers. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, you guys don't even know what we're talking about yet. Yeah, they're like, what? They're, they're trying to piece it together. I, I think they can figure it out. <laughs> but it's one of the most helpless feelings, and it's, like, truly living in a horror movie where mm-hmm. it's happening around you, and you just have to lay there and let it happen. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. And I would like to start with my own little story Ooh, of spooky. the one and only time that I have experienced sleep paralysis. Dun, dun, dun. And it actually happened to me twice in a row, two nights in a row. When I was in college, I was a senior and I was in my dorm. And in doing this research, I found out that often it happens to students. What? Oh, stress like, maybe? Like, yeah, one of the risk factors... One of the attributes that makes you more likely to experience sleep paralysis is being a high school or college student because you're fucking stressed out and sleep deprived. Makes sense. So, my senior year of college, I was sleeping in my dorm. I was living with Nick and two other people, and I was sleeping in my dorm, and the first night that it happened, I was laying in my bed facing away from the wall, so I was facing the room, mm-hmm. and I could see my door and, like, my whole room, and my, my window blinds were open, so there was, like, enough light from, like, the streetlights on campus coming in that I could, you know, vaguely see my room. I just want to say this story scares me every time you talk about it. It, it <laughs> is really one of the, and I can still see it so clearly, yeah. that I was laying in my bed, and the shadow of my closet, because it was like a, a wardrobe. Yeah. The shadow of my wardrobe kind of turned into a human shape. Yeah. And anyone who's been in a college dorm knows the beds are really high. Yep. So I was kind of at face level. Yeah. This, I don't know how to describe it besides it looked like a, a body that had been burnt into almost a skeleton. Mm-hmm. So, okay, kind of like... Do you know when Spongebob is selling chocolate bars? Yes, the lady. What? The lady. What are they selling? Chocolate? I remember the first time I had a chocolate bar. I hated it. <laughs> okay, it kind of looked like that lady. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was laying in my bed and the shadow of my wardrobe just morphed into this humanoid figure. Mm-hmm. And it came like walking at my bed directly at my face and because I was like directly eye level with it and I remember it didn't really have a mouth Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of dark like kind of like a a skull almost but it was all like dark blackish brown Mm -hmm. and the eyes were just like dark pits so it just kind of looked like like like, sockets yeah it looked like a body of somebody my height or maybe a little smaller had been burnt into almost just a skeleton Mm-hmm. And it just kept running at my bed. I hate that. And it kept, like, running up into my face. And I was just laying there, staring at it, like, trying to move, trying to scream, trying to do something. But I just, it kept running up at my face. Oh, and then God. backing up and then running back oh, at me. Oh, no, I hate that. And then when I finally snapped out of it, I grabbed my pillow and I just started swinging. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, swinging at it and screaming. And because I had, like, come out of it, and I was still looking at my room, mm-hmm. but it was gone. Yeah. But I was still, like, no, it, like, because it's a tall bed. 
so I'm like, it might have dropped down. It could yeah, be on the yeah, floor. Yeah. I don't know where this thing is. Like, I didn't put together that it was over. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there swinging my pillow and screaming. And my other roommate started knocking at my door. And she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, no, there's someone in here. And she was like, all right, bye. And just went what? back to, she just went back to bed. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, was it redacted? Yeah, it was redacted. Oh, okay. Not surprised. Yeah. But it was... It was terrifying, and I remember the next day I was telling Nick and our other roommate Jimmy about it, and they were like, wow, that sounds fucking terrifying, and I was like, yeah, it was. It was just the most helpless feeling of, like, this, probably the scariest image I could imagine. Yeah. So, then the next night, it happened again. But this time it was completely different. I was sleeping on my back, staring up at the ceiling, Mm -hmm. and I, like, opened my eyes... And I was staring up at the ceiling, and up above me was, it looked like a little cloud, mm-hmm. but like a cloud made of shadows, mm-hmm. sort of, right above my head, and it started raining spiders. Oh no! Which, if you are not aware, I have legitimate arachnophobia. It is one of the few things I absolutely cannot fuck with. I, I can't deal with spiders, even in the slightest bit. And so there was just, like, hundreds of these little black spiders just raining down all over me. And I could feel them in my hair and feel them, like, falling over my face. Yeah. And I was, like, trying... And I remember my mouth was open. Or at least I felt like my mouth was open. And I was trying to close it, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I was just afraid that I was going to choke on a mouthful Mm -hmm. of spiders. And so that time when I snapped out of it, I, like, went to reach for my pillow and swing it over my head at it again. Because mm-hmm. apparently my instinct is to fight with nice. a pillow every time. But this time I, like, grabbed it and went to move. I was like, oh, shit, okay, it's over. Mm-hmm. And that time I, like, registered that it was over. Yeah. And that it wasn't real. But I had to, like, get up and walk around the apartment. And, like, I went and turned a light on and I, like, sat in the bathroom for a minute just trying to get the feeling of spiders all over me Mm -hmm. off of me. Mm -hmm. Because even when I just see a spider, I get very, like, tingly. Like, I I feel like they're all over me. Yeah, like, just gross. You get the shivers, like, grossed out. Yeah, and I I just get that sensation that they're all over me. So the fact that I had just gone through sleep paralysis of spiders falling all over me, it was... Oh, my God, it was horrible. Horrible. So... That's my introduction to to my topic, which is sleep paralysis. If no one had guessed yet. I think I mentioned it. I'm not sure. I'm not very smart, whatever. (laughs) To start off, I want to tell you, I want to explain what sleep paralysis is, because Mm -hmm. I feel like most people know, but Mm -hmm. maybe not. Yeah. So basically, sleep paralysis is when you're asleep and your mind wakes up, but your body does not. Mm -hmm. During REM sleep, which is the rapid eye movement, part of sleep you're in the deepest state of sleep and that's generally like when you have the most intense dreams yep so during REM your body falls into a state of atonia which is basically the muscles in your body going into a type of paralysis just so you don't like act out your dreams mm-hmm. so that if you dream that you're running you don't actually start yeah. running yeah which anyone who has a dog knows that it doesn't always work yes. <laughs> because sometimes they have dreams about chasing a rabbit and their little legs start Rocky going used to do that all the time you know like little things here and there but for the most part atonia keeps your body still while you're sleeping yeah my dad would actually jog in his sleep he would rip holes in the sheets oh my god yeah so when you wake up or you are done with REM sleep the atonia stops mm-hmm. usually 
But sometimes either right after falling asleep or when you're waking up, which is more common to happen when you're just waking up, atonia continues and your mind wakes up and becomes aware of your surroundings, but your body is still paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So you can't move, you can't speak or call out for help or anything, which in and of itself is terrifying. Definitely. Because especially if you, I mean, you're just waking up, your mind is groggy, like you are not understanding why you can't move. Mm -hmm. That's, that's scary. Yeah. And you can't call for help or anything. So it's extra terrifying because you start to hallucinate. Most of the time you have these hallucinations. And it's kind of like you're dreaming, but it's superimposed over your reality. Yeah. So you can be awake and you're like conscious that you're looking, like you can move your eyes and you're looking around your room, but then you start to almost dream through that. So you start to see things, hear things, feel things that aren't there, just like you do in dreams, and it's happening in your room while you're awake. Which... Even separately, those two things are terrifying, but you put them together of the hallucination and not being able to move, and it's a nightmare. No, yeah, that's scary as hell. Right. So, they can be visual hallucinations, like I said, they can be auditory, they can be tactile, Mm -hmm. like I felt the spiders on my face. So, sometimes it only lasts a few seconds, but sometimes it can last as long as 20 minutes, which I can't imagine. I feel like both times for me, it lasted maybe two minutes, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know. But that's how, how it felt. I mean, of course it's going to feel like forever, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. So a lot of people, like we said earlier, don't talk about it very often, so it's hard to know what percentage of people it actually affects, but the trajectory lands between about 1% and 40% of people. Holy crap. That's how unsure they are. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, because usually people don't talk about it to a doctor or a scientist or, or something like that, Unless it's happening really frequently, mm-hmm. because most people understand that sleep paralysis is, it, sometimes people never have it, sometimes yeah. only have it once in their life, and it's not really talked about or reported to a professional unless it's happening continuously. Yeah, and it's, like, detrimental to, like, what's going on in their life and their health and... Exactly. So, different things are thought to affect it, like I said earlier, being a student is one of them, which is weird that it happened to me during probably the most academically stressful yeah. time of my college career. Yeah. But other things affect it, like mental health, sleep health, if you're really sleep-deprived, if you're sleeping too much, it can happen. Oh, shit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you suffer from narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. Oh, that makes sense. Narcolepsy. Sometimes insomnia, sleep apnea also. That makes sense, too, yeah. Mental health, like depression, severe anxiety. Oh, shit. Uh, (laughs) Right? Bipolar disorder is a really big one. Uh Uh-huh. So, like I said, sometimes it happens once, sometimes it happens all the time. But there are three major categories of the hallucinations, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the intruder hallucination, which is a hallucination of some, like, evil or bad presence or figure in your room. Mm -hmm. Like, like mine was of the little skeleton guy coming out of the closet. It's like somebody is there. There was one story I read specifically that it was, they couldn't see the person, but they could feel them laying in bed next to no, them. No, But I they couldn't it. turn their head to look, which is Holy crap. terrifying. Ugh. The second category is chest pressure, also called the incubus hallucinations, mm-hmm. which is the feeling of being suffocated or some really intense pressure on your chest, which usually comes along with the intruder hallucinations. A lot of people who talk about sleep paralysis talk about a little demon sitting on their chest. Yeah. Because it's kind of the chest pressure and the intruder together. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, which I thought was really interesting because I'd never heard of this one, is called vestibular motor hallucinations, which is a feeling of floating above your body or watching yourself from the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's like an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. 
So sometimes these can actually be fun. People have reported them as being euphoric or just really, like, a really cool dream, like, watching yourself from the outside. Oh, that's so obviously, weird. Obviously, it's not always like that. It can be yeah. really fucking stressful. That would scare uh, the shit out of me. But they're the least common type. I, obviously. yeah, I actually, I always just assumed that sleep paralysis was a terrible, nightmarish kind of thing to go through. Right. And then, apparently, this kind, sometimes not too bad. I mean, I, I was, I would be scared, but, you know. Right. That's just me. Obviously, there are a million stories on the internet of people talking about their different experiences with sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. So I just want to read a few stories of each kind really quick because they're pretty short and I think they're so interesting. So one story for the intruder hallucination Mm -hmm. said, it happens every time I fall asleep on my back. I wake up and I can't tell if my eyes are open or shut, but I can see my whole room. A dark presence is lurking on top of my wardrobe and as soon as I notice it and try to scream, but I can't scream or move. The darkness slithers down the side of my wardrobe, across the floor, and looms over the end of my bed. Then it creeps all over me, trying to invade every orifice. I feel an immense pressure like it's pinned me down and is pushing its way into my ears, eyes, and mouth. The darkness then screams a terrible screech into my face, and I try to scream back until eventually I manage to jerk my head and everything disappears and I'm alone in the darkness. That's crazy. Yeah, which I thought that I liked this story in particular because it was so similar to My Little Skeleton Guy, because he also came like out of the shadow of the wardrobe but it was just like the shadow morphed into a figure kind of thing yeah because you know like when you're in the dark like you're trying to sleep or whatever and you're seeing like different forms of stuff in your room but it looks Mm -hmm. like something else yeah it's kind of like that maybe like yeah it could sort of like forms into that and then comes running at my face Uh oh and i did want to say she said that it happens when or they said it happens when they sleep on their back Mm mm-hmm that makes sense with the sleep apnea thing, then. Yeah. Because a lot of the times people, like, they can't... That is a lot of when the, they're on their back. Yeah, a lot of the stories are, or explanations are when people are sleeping on their back. Which, which I think is, is weird, interesting. Because I, I like sleeping on my back for some reason. My mom always told me she has nightmares when she sleeps on her back, and so she always told me not to sleep on my back, but she's really superstitious, so I sleep on my back sometimes, but, I, like, It feels nice. For a while, I was, like, scared of it, because my mom made me afraid of it. My mom just says it makes her snore more so that's hilarious <laughs> my mom snores too i wonder if... <laughs> um all right second story for an intruder hallucination Ooh. the first time it happened to me was when i went for a nap during the day i was lying on my side facing away from my door when i woke up to the sound of my door closing i tried to turn around to see who came into my room but i couldn't move my eyes were wide with terror and i could see everything in my room i heard this thing walk around my room then it sat on my bed and i could feel the bed dip from its weight It then shuffled towards me, and it felt like it began to spoon me, and it was extremely tall. I was trying to move so hard, but I was just lying still. The thing started breathing on my neck and tickling my back. Oh, no. It then stood up and left after a few minutes, and it was the most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me. What the absolute fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Imagine during a nap? In your bed, yeah. In the middle of, like, broad daylight? Bro. I mean... That also, because I remember reading that you're only supposed to nap for, like, a certain amount of time, like, 20 minutes, because, <laughs> I know, right? Because if you sleep any more than, like, a half hour, you get into that REM sleep, and that, like, really fucks you up. I and love so that's REM probably sleep. what happened. Oh, no. Oh, that's so gross and creepy. Yeah. Oh. Terrifying. I would feel so violated. Right? And oh. it's like, also, you couldn't turn and see. What if it really was a person you just didn't know? That would have been really fucking weird. <laughs> Someone broke into my house to snuggle with me for a little while. <laughs> then on my back. Left. <laughs> <laughs> fucking weirdos. Uh, all right. A story for the chest pressure, a.k.a. the okay. incubus demon thing. Mm-hmm. 
My worst experience with sleep paralysis was after I'd been up all night doing an essay. When I finished, I immediately dozed off, and the next thing I knew, I thought I had completely woken up, except there was a shadow demon looming over the end of my bed. It didn't have a face, but I could feel it staring at me, and it felt like pure evil. I tried with my whole body to scream, but nothing came out, which only made me panic more. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I felt like the demon was about to attack me, then its head twitched to the side, and he pounced on my chest, sort of thrashing at me. I felt like it was suffocating me, so I tried to close my eyes again and put all my energy into trying to wake up and move my body, the whole time with the demon hallucination still attacking me. When I was finally fully awake, I lay in bed for an hour and a half, shaking and next to tears. It was probably the scariest thing I have ever experienced, and I will never forget the feeling of not being able to breathe. I thought it was just a really vivid nightmare until a few months later when I first read about sleep paralysis. Hmm. I mean, that makes sense. Up all night, doing an essay, sleep deprived, stressed out. It all adds up. It all makes sense. I ain't no mathematician. Do add up. (laughs) All right, that's the second one. I really like this one. I think it's scary as frick. And this is the second uh, incubus one? Yes, chest pressure. I'd woken up in my dorm room. It was a stormy night around four in the morning and still quite dark, though there was a yellowish-orange light from the street lamp outside. The window at the foot of my bed had been left cracked open and was banging in the wind. I got up to shut it and stumbled back to bed, lying on my right side facing the wall with my eyes closed. It began with tactile hallucinations. I felt as if a pair of slightly clammy hands with thick fingers were gently stroking my face, in particular my lips, eyes, and ears, and prodding at my mouth. Eventually this feeling gave way to prickling pins and needles all over my body, and I felt very cold and buzzing, as if I were electrified or covered in static shocks. At the same time, a heavy ringing began in my ears, very loud and in an even tone. It was at this point I got the sensation that there was someone else in my room very close to me. I was able to open my eyes, and I felt this weight pressing down on the left side of my ribs and shoulder. The light from the street was blocked by a shadow, and I realized the shadow had a solid form. A squat creature with cat-like features and claws, though humanoid and compact. It was about three or four feet tall sitting on top of me. It had pointed ears and pale yellow eyes with no pupils. I couldn't distinguish its face beyond the outline and its glowing eyes. I knew it was a demonic force of some sort, and I tried to scream. I felt the air leaving my throat, but only heard a faint whimper. I don't know how long this lasted, but eventually the apparition was gone and I was able to move. I got up and turned on my bedside light and sat up until dawn. That's crazy. Ugh. A little little creepy creature just sitting on your chest all night. And, like, three to four feet, that's pretty tall to be, like, sitting on your chest. That's, like, a lot of... That's like my students. That's a lot of demon. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hefty demon. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ugh. Ugh. So, yeah, I think the chest pressure ones, I think, are the most upsetting to hear about. Because you Cause can't it, breathe. You feel like you can't breathe. Right. And that, that, on top of, like, not being able to move, not being able to scream, not being able to, like, alert anybody or, right. like, that's scary as fuck. You think you're dying. Yeah, and if the intruder hallucinations are fucking terrifying that there's mm-hmm. somebody there in your room mm-hmm. and it feels evil and fucking terrifying, mm-hmm. but then you add that to something is suffocating you. Yeah. And that evil being is suffocating you, and you can't do anything about it. It's terrible. Ugh. Ugh, I hate hate it. it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Alright, the last kind is the vestibular motor, which is the out-of-body experience one. Those were a little harder to find stories for, but I thought that they were pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, scary, but cool. Right. So the first one says... Once I fell asleep on the couch watching some detective show, I woke up and sat up and I was completely out of my body. I kept trying to lie down back into my body and wake myself up, but I just stayed asleep. I stood up and looked out the back door and it was completely dark. 
Then I went to the opposite side of the room and looked out the front window, and it was bright and sunny when there was a little old lady sitting under a tree by the lake. I was like, what the fuck? I spent the next ten minutes lying down, then sitting back up, trying to attach myself back to my body and shake myself awake. I thought if I didn't get in, my body would die and my soul would wander, so I didn't leave my living room. What the fuck? Yeah. Who's the old lady? Right? <laughs> Imagine you just, like, wake up and you just look down at your body and you're like, ah, shit. I really do look ugly when I sleep. No, oh, man. <laughs> I just pull the blanket up on myself. <laughs> there you go. Kiss my little forehead. <laughs> get a good night's sleep, girl. You deserve it. I mean, they were, like, worried about not being able to get back into their body. Like, that's creepy and scary as hell. Right. Oh. I just want to know who the old lady was. Some <laughs> old lady just chilling. <laughs> So, the last one is very short. It says, The only time it ever happened to me, I thought I was dead. I felt myself kind of slide out of my body and start to rise until I hit the ceiling, then flipped myself over and was staring down at my body lying on the bed. My first thought was that I died in my sleep and this was my soul leaving my body to move on to whatever comes next. But I wasn't scared or upset. I felt weirdly calm. It lasted what felt like maybe three minutes or so, then I kind of blacked out and woke up back in my body. That's crazy. That is kind of cool. That is the first thing I would think, too, is that I died. Because yeah. in, like, shows, you know, they do that all the time, yeah. where it's, like, the soul left the body, and he's staring at his dead body, like, what the fuck just happened? Right. They're like, what? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just thought that it would be fun to throw some stories in there. I thought they oh, were no, definitely. interesting. Upon doing research, it turns out that pretty much every culture in the world has some kind of cultural mythical explanation for sleep paralysis mm -hmm. starting from the year 400 BC. Oh wow. So, over 2000 years ago. What were they stressed about back then? Building the pyramids? I mean, probably finding enough food. <laughs> <laughs> they were scavengers though. They were built for that shit. Were they in in Greece? Oh, I mean, I they they had know. they had societies. This wasn't a million years ago when we were oh. cave people. <laughs> like this is I'm talking like so, yeah, when they were building the pyramids. <laughs> sure. They're like, oh, those fucking aliens are telling me what to do, and I'm really sick of it. Demon's gonna come sit on my chest about it. So I wanted to kind of go over a few of the more prevalent explanations that I came across in my research, because I thought it was super interesting. The first recorded episode of sleep paralysis was in the year 400 BC by Hippocrates in oh. ancient Greece, and they called it Ethialtes. Ephialtes? I don't know. I don't know Greek. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> so, basically, it's not a new thing. This has been going on pretty much as long as humans have existed. But the first clinical diagnosis was in 1664 by a Dutch doctor who labeled the phenomenon as an attack by an incubus or a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Two words. Nightmare. Oh, interesting. So, the word nightmare itself, I just, this is just a fun fact, actually came from a Scandinavian word mare, which is a spirit that would suffocate people in their sleep. Oh, wow. So from the beginning of nightmares being a thing and having a name, it was all about sleep paralysis. But people thought that it wasn't, like, in your head, that it was, like, a real nocturnal little evil visitor who would come try to yeah. kill you in your sleep. Yeah. So that's so cool. That, like, now we know it's just, like, kind of a really strange form of a nightmare. Mm -hmm. But all throughout human history, they thought they were actually under attack by something. Yeah. They thought something was breaking into their house, which is fair. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. That's completely I mean, fucking valid. Yeah, especially people, like... Back in those days, they did believe a lot of stuff like that. Exactly. You know, fairies and stuff like that. Do you not believe in fairies? I'm on the fence. Okay, since, like, one of the more common versions of sleep paralysis is, like, the hallucination of something sitting on your chest or stomach and making it hard to breathe, obviously people have always thought that it was a demon or a spirit trying to kill them. Yeah. Or have their babies. 
Oh, like a succubus. Exactly. So in Abrahamic traditions, especially Christianity and Judaism, Lilith is a Mm. demon woman who refuses to submit to Adam. She's, like, created as the first woman. This story was actually really interesting. It said, like, she used God's secret name and then turned into a dragon and flew away. What the fuck? I know. Is this, this is Christianity? Uh, Judaism. Oh, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. It was in the Talmud. It was a story from the Talmud. I was like, wait. (laughs) But, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, but so, she's a demon woman who refuses to submit to Adam, so she became a demon who preyed on women during childbirth Mm -hmm. and their newborns or sleeping men. So basically, she would have sex with them while they slept and then would become pregnant and add more little demons to the world, aka a succubus. That literally was, like, part of the whole plot in, like, season five of Supernatural. And you know what else was part of the plot of Supernatural? Somebody on the ceiling. Yeah. Maybe she was just having an out-of-body experience. Literally. So for centuries, it's been believed that the little demon sitting on your chest or somewhere else on your body is a succubus or an incubus, which is kind of like the male version that impregnates a female, Hmm. trying to make demon babies. So an incubus comes in, has sex with a sleeping woman, puts a little demon baby inside her. Succubus comes in, has sex with a sleeping man. Has a little demon baby inside of her. Whatever. We're making demon babies is what's happening That's here. crazy shit. And actually, the names Incubus and Succubus come right from the translation of Ephialtes from the Greeks. So that oh, yeah. directly translates to Incubus or Succubus. Okay. Which I thought was interesting. So that's, like, kind of the Abrahamic mm-hmm. story that, mm-hmm. that we get a lot of kind of creepier folklore from. Yeah. You know, I thought that was interesting. But on St. Lucia, which is an island in the Caribbean, the demon is referred to as the Kokma and is interpreted as a demonic ghost of an unbaptized baby. Oh, wow. Okay. That jumps on the chest of sleeping people and chokes them while they're sleeping. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So if your baby dies before you can baptize it, it's going to become this little Kokma demon. You've got these little demon, like little tiny baby hands trying to choke you. Tiny. Yeah, wait. Would that even work? Their no. hands are so small. <laughs> Their nails do be sharp sometimes, though. They just get your jugular. Oh my god. Baby claws in your juggler. <laughs> juggler. <laughs> uh, okay. In your juggler. In your jugglers. Anyway, in Canada, the being is called the old hag. It's like okay, this, yeah. the same story. There's no more detail to it. It's just yeah. the same story, but it's called an old hag. Thought that was interesting. In South Brazil, they have the Pasadiera. I believe is how it's pronounced. I'm Again, I'm really sorry, guys. I tried to look up the pronunciation. It just simply did not exist. <laughs> which, so the Pasadiera is an old hag, which is like an old, fat, scraggly man, or usually a woman, who oh, okay. steps on the stomachs of people who sleep on their backs or sleep with a full belly. Oh, interesting. So if you go to bed full, she might come step on you until you suffocate. That's fucking weird. And there's also a rendition of this myth where it's a man named the Little Handhole Friar. Okay. Who puts his heavy hand on people's chest when they sleep so that they can't breathe or scream. Oh, wow. Okay. So this creepy man just comes into your room and presses his giant heavy hand on your chest until you suffocate. That's crazy. I know. And in a lot of Eastern Asian countries, there are a million superstitions about what this could be, and they kind of vary from small area to small area, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And there are a lot of superstitions on how you can avoid sleep paralysis, because having a bout of sleep paralysis is seen as an attack by angry spirits. Yeah, makes sense. So, in fact, there was this huge study done about a group of 117 Southeast Asian immigrants into America 
who were all completely healthy in their early 30s or 40s, but died suddenly in their sleep within this, like, small window of time. So the most prominent group was 18 Hmong men, which is a group from Laos, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a fairly isolated indigenous group. So they were kind of run out of Laos by other indigenous groups or other cultural groups, and so there were a lot of immigrants into America. Mm-hmm. So none of these people were related in any way. They weren't super nearby each other, but they weren't connected in any way besides, like, the general region they were from, and they all died the same way. So the official name given to their cause of death was Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, or SUNDS. 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 S-U-N-D-S. Where basically their heart just stopped suddenly while they slept. Holy crap. So the case was studied by various doctors and professionals, and a large number of them agreed that it could have been attributed to sleep paralysis, literally scaring them to death. I believe that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. crazy. Yeah. I wonder why, maybe, again, like, the idea of, like, stress, them coming here and being kicked out of, you know, where they were from. Right. And that's, that's what a lot of people thought, too, was that, obviously, they're going through a very stressful thing in a high risk factor of sleep paralysis is being this stressed out and i'm sure they're stressed more stressed than i've literally ever been and maybe they can't um speak english or anything you know they don't know the native language so that's even crazier and scarier right and so specifically in the case of the Hmong men there was a correlation between them believing in sleep paralysis demon called the dab sog which was a spirit that would come to you in your nightmares and sit on you to steal your breath so mm. all the Hmong men who died of this believed in that spirit. Damn. And so can sleep paralysis hurt you? No, but apparently yes. So they thought that, I mean, if they believed in this demon, obviously when it happens to them, it's going to be scarier. Yeah. Because it's not just a, OMG, what's happening? It's a, I know this thing, it's evil and it's here for me. Yeah. Like that, I think would make it scarier. Oh, definitely. So, it's believed that the demon literally scared them to death, whether it caused a panic attack, which could cause an asthma attack. It could have straight up just caused a heart attack and somehow killed them. I believe it. And so, I just, I thought that that was so fucking crazy. That's, yeah. Because it happened to so many people, like, all within this time frame. I don't know what the time frame was, I'm sorry. But yeah, I was was wondering that, but, I mean, I I feel like maybe it doesn't really matter. Right, Um, it was in, it was within... A year or less, I believe. And I just, I thought that was crazy. That sleep paralysis literally scared them to death. Like, it literally killed them. I think it makes sense, because isn't it, like, actually a proven thing that, like, when you're awake, like, you can physically die of fear. So why not while you're basically kind of asleep? (laughs) So basically, I could go on and on and on and on and on about all of the different cultures that Mm -hmm. have a name for this and have a whole story of what this sleep paralysis demon is. I just got you a couple of them that I thought were especially interesting. Mm -hmm. As long as humans have needed sleep, there seems to have been sleep paralysis. It's always been a thing, and people obviously have always found a way to explain what it is, especially before, you know, they had a ton of science, and they had a lot of spiritual and superstitious beliefs, Mm -hmm. and that makes sense that they would attribute it to that. So there are a lot of mythical creatures and, like, encounters with evil beings that are intruding on people's homes and stuff like that at night that could just be explained by sleep paralysis. Yep. I mean, there are so many, if you think about it. It's like, so many cultures have these myths and beliefs of certain creatures that will come into your homes and do whatever. It's totally possible they were literally all sleep paralysis. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool. 
I, like, even before I knew about sleep paralysis, I knew about, like, incubus and succubus. Yeah. I don't know why, but I knew that they were kind of demons that were sexual in nature. Right. I mean, I believe in demons, so I believe that that could be totally a thing, but then at the same time, it's like, so much of the brain is unknown, and it's so complex that we will never fully understand how the brain works. Right. So it's totally possible for us to just be making this all up in our heads and actually feeling like we're physically seeing something. Exactly. So, you know. And there's, like, I was thinking about it, too, is that, honestly, especially in the U.S., that can explain a lot of alien abduction stories. Oh, yeah. I remember on on BuzzFeed Unsolved, they talked about one specific case where a woman was laying in her bed and she was so convinced that aliens broke into her house and that they were, like, performing experiments on her and that they gave her some paralytic agent so that she couldn't move. And she was just frozen in her bed while they all stood over her and poked and prodded and did all this weird shit to her and then she blacked out and woke up the next day just fine. Sleep paralysis. Sis, sleep paralysis. <laughs> Literally. Straight up. Because she's having the tactile, she's having the sen- yeah. all the sensory, the hallucinations. And, and you can really convince yourself that it is fucking real. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I don't blame her for telling people this fucking happened to me because you see it, you hear it, you feel it. Everything in you is telling you that it's happening and you know you're not asleep. Yeah. Like, you know you're awake and this is happening and all of your senses are telling you it's happening, but you have to believe it's all in your head. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with people with psychosis. It's so unbelievably real to them. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to decipher what's real and what's not, and they yeah. have to come up with, like, certain ways to figure out if what they're seeing or hearing is actually real or not. I mean, right. it's scary. Yeah. And so a, a lot of alien abduction stories or alien visitation stories, sleep paralysis. The only... I'm, I'm going to use this as an explanation for everything now. The only... Actually, you know what? This could work for this case, too, that um, there's this artist from... He's actually from New Jersey, and he's super old now, Ew. but he 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 claimed... He cl- still claims to this day that, like, starting in the age of, like, 20, he would be visited by these weird alien people. This weird alien woman would, like get it on with him and like apparently he (laughs) says that he does have alien babies and stuff and like he will he's an artist so he'll paint these scenes when like when the alien woman would take him to some weird place at night or some shit like that but um he's very convincing and his paintings are kind of cool because it's like he he paints the scenes that happened to him and yeah he talks about his experiences and i feel like it's a a little more than sleep paralysis there because he actually has these whole like scenarios happening but i I, we're definitely gonna have to talk about him because it's he's an interesting guy that does sound really cool yeah there was i forget his name but look it up really quick i'm gonna post on the instagram the the painting that goes along with this when we we make our post for this episode that the first ever like artistic rendition of Mm -hmm. sleep paralysis was called the nightmare by henry fuseli and it was this like really old painting and it's like this woman lying on her bed with this little demon on her chest and it's like he painted how he felt during sleep paralysis i feel like i know the painting i mean probably you're literally i took a lot of art history yeah you sure fucking did (laughs) um so i looked it up and i'm gonna use that on the instagram because i think it's really interesting that's a good one Uh, yeah and a lot of sleep paralysis demon memes (laughs) honestly when you were talking about your story i was thinking man i wish you were like I wish you could draw. Oh, I know. 
Because you said it's hard to explain, that. you know, it's hard yeah. to describe it, but it's easier I wish to I visually, you know, yeah. put it onto paper. So And it's hard to tell which one was worse, too. Mm-hmm. The little burnt skeleton is, like, inherently more terrifying. To me, that is, yeah, much scarier. Right. And that <laughs> that one was scary also because it was the first time it was happening. Yeah. And the second night after it was over, I was like, okay, or even almost while it was happening, I could kind of rationalize with myself that it wasn't yeah. real. Mm-hmm. But I, I also couldn't. Mm-hmm. Because, just, because I could so feel real. it and I could see them and they were all over me. And it's like, but the first time it was like, yo, something is in here. Yeah. This, there is someone fucking here and it's this demon thing and it's gonna kill, oh my god. And you said that, okay, so in the beginning I was like, I'm not worried about ever getting sleep paralysis because I sleep a lot. And then you mentioned, um, you know, sleeping, sleeping too, much. too much. You yeah. mentioned, you know, anxiety and depression, which I have both. And you're a student. Yeah. So yeah, dreams can be super fun, they can be super creepy, but when your dreams continue, when your body wakes up, it is not fucking fun. Yeah, that's crazy. Paralysis can basically just explain a lot of paranormal mm, things. Definitely. But it kind of doesn't explain why people have such incredibly similar experiences. There are three categories of sleep paralysis hallucinations, and so many of them are so similar that there are entire cultural stories dedicated to what they look like, which is weird to me. It's almost like certain demons or appearances have been bred into our psyche to be scary. Unless it's just not all in our head. And I'll I'll go with that, too. It's not in our head at all. Um, Some people have actually pointed to the fact that it's possible that some kind of dark spirit may actually be possessing people and preying on them when they're asleep and can't fight back. (laughs) Richard Ramirez. And it's like this demon, like, inflicts paralysis on them Mm -hmm. and, like, either steal their life or steal their breath or even just kind of like some a of it eater. yeah like steal some of your life force to feed off of or just feed off of their fear like so many evil spirits yep. just feed off of your fear yeah. so they scare the shit out of you and it makes them stronger yep. is that as likely as the scientific explanation of like haha sleep machine broken waking nightmare go brrr. <laughs> probably not but i think New it's merch. fun <laughs> i love it but i think it's fun to think about because I, I read a oh, few definitely. theories about that online and obviously i, I I don't think I believe it, but I think it's interesting to think of it that way. I'm I'm open to it. I'm very open-minded when it comes to, you know, this spiritual, paranormal sort of stuff. You know, I'm open to the scientific stuff, you know? Right. So, yeah, Anything's that's... possible. Anything's possible. All right, I'd say that's enough sleep paralysis talk. It's time. Dad joke intermission. Dad joke intermission. The best part of the show. We gotta lighten the mood a little bit. A little bit. Before we get back into... Murder. <laughs> My sleep paralysis demon tells me dad jokes. <laughs> oh, no. That's I'm where like, you get all your good jokes? I guess so. I'm like, I'm scared. And the demon's like, hi, scared. I'm dad. <laughs> Uh, okay, my first dad joke is actually from one of my kindergartners. <gasps> really? Yeah, he told it, like, six different times at lunch yesterday, and he kept asking me over and over. I'm like, bud, you already gave me the answer. <laughs> like, five times. This comes straight from a five-year-old. What kind of ant is really cold? I have no clue. Antarctica. <laughs> Thank you, five-year-old boy. That was so good. <laughs> that was awesome. All, All right. What have we got? I have one right here. The graveyard looks overcrowded. 
People must be dying to get in there. <laughs> and this said it was for kids, these jokes, so that's kind of fucked up. There, wait, that's like an ancient joke of, like, the, the story about the dad when they were driving by, and he was like, you know people living in this town aren't allowed to be buried in that cemetery? Why? Because they're still alive. Oh, no! <laughs> Alright, this is my really good one. I've been waiting so long to share. Oh, my goodness. How do cats like their steak? Rare. Oh, stop <laughs> it! <laughs> Why was I wanted to say medium rare? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> that is so cute. What do you call a donkey with only three legs? A wonky donkey? Stop. You almost got it. A wonky. A wonky. <laughs> like the wonky donkey. I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey. <laughs> that was horrifying when you made us watch that. That was like... You're welcome. You're cultured now. But it just reminds me of the Christmas donkey song. Dominic the donkey. Yep. All right, anyway, are we ready to move on to other sleepy territory? Yep, I think we're ready to leave the funny and get to the spooky again. Por que no los dos? <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. I only but don't heard you two. watch taco commercials? Oh, yeah, why can't we have both? Yeah, see, you know Spanish. No, only because of that taco commercial. That's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> why not both? Yeah, there we Literally go. that little girl. Yeah. <laughs> all right, ready? Let's get into it. And we're going to talk about sleepwalking. Is is definitely the complete opposite, I feel like, of sleep paralysis. Right. In sleep paralysis, your brain is awake, but your body isn't. Mm -hmm. Sleepwalking, your body is moving around and the atonia is not set in, but you're still dreaming. Like, your brain is asleep, but your body's awake. Yeah. You're just not conscious of what you're doing. The, like, complete opposite side of the coin, which I think is cool. And I feel like it can be scary, like, sleep paralysis, but it's not usually. Right. And we'll kind of get into that. But people can do scary things. Exactly. Which is, I've, I'm an avid sleepwalker, so I've scared the shit out of some people. <laughs> I Yeah, I used to sleepwalk a lot when I was younger, when I was having a lot of issues with my anxiety and sleeping in general. And I would always go into my parents' room in the middle of the night. Okay, so my sleepwalking was really weird. When I was young, I had, like like I said, I have very severe emetophobia. So when I was young, I would always ask my mom to feel my forehead to see mm -hmm. if I had a fever because I was afraid I was going to get sick. So I would do that in the middle of the night. Aww. Um, so I would, like, wake up and I would go into their room and I'd just be like, Mom, Mom you know, scare the shit out of them. They'll wake up and be like, what? What? And like, do I feel warm? Like, stuff <laughs> like that. I'm not even joking. Aww. Um trauma um <laughs> so yeah mine were just kind of weird i slept walk a lot when i was a kid and it went away in like high school but it came back really bad in college <laughs> and i like slept walked in my dorm and i would just sleep in like shorts and a sports bra mm -hmm. and one time it's only really scary when you wake up halfway through and you don't know where the fuck you are yeah like it, it takes you a minute to realize that you're standing in the laundry room on a different floor of your dorm <laughs> Oh and I just God. woke up and was standing in the laundry room. I was like, what the fuck? And I was, like, terrified. <laughs> so I went running out, and I realized that the colors of the wall was wrong. And I was like, where am I? Where am I? Where? Oh, I'm on a different floor. Holy shit. Because all the floors were, like, painted a different color. Oh, my God. So it was horrible. And one time, like, during a summer break, when I was probably, like, 19, my brother... I don't remember if he was awake or if he was had woken up because he heard the noise, but he walked out into the hallway, and I was standing in the hall looking directly at him, just <laughs> elbowing the wall over and over. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I just kept glaring at him and elbowing the wall, and he was like, 
All right, I'm gonna go get dad. I'm gonna head out. <laughs> I, I'm gonna head out. <laughs> I'm gonna make like a baby and head out. Okay, so the only thing like currently, whenever I think of sleepwalking, I just think of Celine on um, TikTok. On TikTok, that's she's TikTok, the fucking best. And I like it's hilarious because she says that like cheese and like chocolate before bed really really make her sleepwalking like interesting. Yeah, more like effective. And I just, it's so crazy because, like, she has put up camera, like, night vision cameras, like, all over her house now because she just gets up and she goes everywhere. She get, she gets outside of the house and she will literally, like, get stuff from the fridge and throw it out on the lawn. <laughs> or, like, she will literally start walking down the street and her husband has to, like, you know, every time she gets up, he has to get up because she's doing stuff like that, you I know? she's hate to be her she's husband. She's literally going outside, walking down the sidewalk, and he has to chase after her. Oh, my God. It's crazy. So, like, nowadays when I think of sleepwalking, I just think, you know, that's just fucking hilarious, you know? But at the same time, there's that whole idea that if you try to wake a sleepwalker, they get violent. Yeah, my parents would just kind of guide me back to bed, or, like, pick me up and just put me back in bed if I was small enough. Yeah. I've, I've never been that crazy, but I've done some weird stuff. I, I feel like the idea that, you know, people will get super violent if you try to wake them up is sort of dramatized. I think it's but... just a lot of the shock of, like, yeah, waking up and not knowing where you are or who's in your face. No, that's what it is, is that you're trying to wake someone that's in a... a a state of sleep that's in a vulnerable, comfortable position, and if you're trying to wake them up by, like, poking them or yelling at them, like, they're gonna get scared. They're When they wake right. up, their automatic reaction is gonna be confusion. It's gonna be fear, you know, and they're gonna react in a way to defend themselves, right. and that's totally natural. That's just something that's... just that's, like a reflex. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll try not to derail again. Let's get into it. So, I mean, everyone knows what sleepwalking is, I feel like, but I'm just going to give a little bit of some background. The Mayo Clinic defines sleepwalking, which is also called somnambulism okay so, um as a state of sleep in which someone will get up and walk around and they'll do everyday things sometimes they'll do their normal routines like getting dressed or eating and sometimes people will attempt to drive or like engage in some weird unusual behavior i've seen online where sometimes people will sleepwalk and go into their closet and piss on the floor <laughs> it's just really really random stuff right um or usual routine stuff that you do every day and on super rare occasions a person that is sleepwalking will become violent and either during the sleepwalking state or after they woke up when they're in like a very confused and vulnerable state. Right. And just like sleep paralysis, there are certain causes of sleepwalking that are like sleep deprivation, stress, sleep disruptions, medications. So it does sort of tie into like the same stressors as sleep paralysis. And Dr. Foldvery Schaefer states on the Cleveland Clinic online, quote, sleepwalking and related arousal disorders represent one of the least researched areas of sleep medicine. We aren't sure of the exact causes. Even so, it's believed that sleepwalking occurs because the brain has trouble properly regulating the sleep and wake cycles, end quote. Okay, so that like, makes sense. Yeah, like I said before, like, the brain is just so widely not understood that it's just hard to do really research right. as to the causes of both sleepwalking and sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. And, like, like I said before, there's a huge belief that if you try to wake someone up who is sleepwalking, they will get super violent, and doctors advise you that if you happen to encounter someone who is sleepwalking, to use a quiet voice and light touch and, like, just to try to direct them back to bed, mm -hmm. because it, that's the thing, is the loud noises and the very harsh sounds can trigger them to- Very sudden. Yeah, can trigger them to become awake, but in a confused and scared state. Which is fair. So, 
While it's super rare to see a sleepwalker get violent, it has happened. Actually, quite a few times well, I mean, that I've looked. I feel like it's not that uncommon. Like, it's it's not as common as people want you to believe it is, but it definitely happens. I think it's uncommon for it to end in murder. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree so, okay, with that. So, <laughs> okay, maybe a sleepwalker will wake up and slap you. Right. But, um... I don't think my sleepwalking has ever made me murder anyone, but really, who's to say? Yeah, you don't know. And these have two cases that I want to talk about. Hell yeah. In in both these cases, the person was like, I was not aware. I was not conscious when this happened. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's especially when it comes to trying to convict or acquit someone like this. Yeah, how do you prove it? And... That's what we're going to get into. Oh, Lord. So, the first case that I wanted to talk about was ac- is actually a pretty popular case, and it's just about a sleepwalking guy that turned violent and ended up brutally killing his wife. And he was very fittingly dubbed the sleepwalking killer. Yeah, that does make sense. So, literally, I think I searched into Google, like, sleepwalking murder, and that was the first thing that came up, <laughs> is this guy. And, like, once you get into the, once I get into the story, you do sort of feel bad for him. Well, yeah. But there's also, like, parts to it where it's like, was this guy really sleepwalking? Like, we'll get into it. Sounds like a likely story. So, this happened in 1997, and it was January, and... Wait, didn't you happen in 1997? No, 1998. Oh, youngin'. (laughs) January 1997, I was turning one year old. Okay. <laughs> so in January of 1997, the next door neighbors of Scott Fallater and his wife Yarmala Fallater awoke to the Yarmula sounds. Fallater. So <laughs> the next door neighbors of Scott Fallater and his wife Yarmala awoke to the sounds of yelling and screaming. And the neighbor said that he had witnessed Scott stabbing his wife, like in their backyard, stabbing his wife, dragging her to the pool, and holding her head under the water. <gasps> Jesus Christ. He told the media that he saw Scott, quote, quieting the dog, going up the stairs, turning on a light, taking clothes off, going down to the garage, getting things out, putting things back in the car, end quote. And so then and there, it's kind of like, and and this man was, was asleep? Yeah. Was he? That's good. And the neighbor didn't, upon watching him murder his wife, the neighbor didn't do anything. He just kept watching. I know. It sounds like that was a very long time of him just... Yeah, watching, that, that's but a I lot think, of stuff to watch him do afterwards. I think he had t- told his significant other to call the police while he was watching him, and I feel like th- that was sort of a good idea to keep his eye on him because then you can testify in court. That's true. You know what I mean? And I be like, it, it I saw very this calm happen. Of him to be like, oh, he murdered her. Let's see <laughs> yeah. what he do. Next. I mean, yeah, that is pretty nuts. But so Scott Fowler, the guy that was seen brutally murdering murdering his wife, right had stashed the murder weapon and his bloody clothes in his car. Okay. And this whole time this whole thing was going on, his two teen children were sleeping in the house. Okay. And and they didn't hear or see anything? Apparently not. And when I was reading up about this family, like, they are, I think they were part of Church of the Latter-day Saints. They were supposedly very religious, and um, his kids talked about how they had such a great childhood. Uh, Their parents were very loving. They both very much loved each other. So to have this happen, it's like, where did this come from kind of thing. And so Scott claims that he doesn't remember any of these things happening, and he stated that he was sleepwalking. And during his trial, he even stated, quote, I remember waking up in my underwear on the floor. The next thing I remember is hearing people screaming and dogs barking. I assumed that I must have gone crazy or something in my head had broken. Quote. Oh. Quote. 
Interesting. Yeah, and so when attempted to recall the events of that night, Scott had said that he had woken up at 3 a.m. the previous night because he had heard what sounded like someone walking around, like, right outside their bedroom window. Okay. And Yarmula heard it, too. She had woken up and heard it, too, so it wasn't, like, something only he was hearing. Mm -hmm. And he said that he went out and checked and there was nothing there, and he went back to bed. But he said that he didn't really get much sleep that night after that and then he said that the next day he did his usual routine he worked at his job as an electrical engineer for motorola and then he came home to have dinner with his family and after dinner he had prepared a lesson that he was going to give the next day regarding like religious a religious education class and he also attempted to fix the filter in their pool that his wife had asked him to fix that night but he said that he ended up giving up around nine o'clock because it was getting dark and he just couldn't figure it out so he went back inside and told his wife that he would fix it tomorrow and he stated that he went to bed around 9 30 and that Yarmula had fallen asleep on the couch and the next thing he says he remembers like I said is standing on top of the stairs in his pajamas and a cop drew his gun and told him to put his hands up and scott was like what the fuck like what is going on holy shit he kept asking like what is what is wrong what's going on um why are you here and so the cop asked him if there was anybody else in the house and he said yes it's me my wife and my two kids and by this time the cop had already seen yarmula's body in the backyard so he could tell it seemed like scott was like had no fucking clue yeah so at the very least he's a really good actor yeah, right? So, like I said, cops on scene, they had already found Yamala, and she was floating lifeless in the pool, blood turning the water red. And officer Joel Transter of the Phoenix Police Department said, quote, I've never seen a shark attack in person, but to me, it was reminiscent of a shark attack. So Scott maintained, like, not remembering what happened when he was brought in for questioning. He just kept saying, like, I just can't recall anything from that night except for just me going to bed. Me me trying to fix the filter, not being able to do it, kissing my wife goodnight, and then going to bed. And then waking up to a cop screaming at me. Right. And... He seemed visibly shocked to hear that, to hear the cop tell him that his wife was murdered and that his neighbor had seen him do it. Oh my god. He said he had told Scott that the neighbor saw him stab his wife and then drown her in the pool. And Scott was arrested then and there and charged with third degree murder. And so in 1999, he was still awaiting trial at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. He was still maintaining that he absolutely loved his wife and he didn't remember anything of that night. And he had said that he accepted that his neighbors saw him commit the act, but he would never have consciously or intentionally killed her. And during the trial in June of 1999, the death penalty was sought. The prosecution's argument was that Scott was wide awake when he killed his wife. And the chief medical examiner had stated that Yarmula had been stabbed 44 times. Jesus Christ. So obviously that's overkill. Whenever I see or hear of cases like that where there's just dozens of stab wounds or shots fired or whatever it is, it's like that's fucking insane because usually one, if if done in the right place, is enough. And I mean, of course there are people who will be stabbed 13 times and survive, but when you get to 44 stabs, bitch, you know they're dead. And you just keep stabbed. That's crazy. And you know it's like a murder of passion. Like, yeah. they are fucking angry. They are yeah. getting their feelings out. They are stab, 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 stab. Because at that point, it's not really about the person being dead anymore. It's just about getting that anger out. Yeah. Um, Especially if then he's going to, like, hold her under the water. And I mean... Which is, yeah. This is theorizing that he was awake. 
Yep. You know. And so at this point when this all went to trial and they were talking about um, the events of that night, I got a bit confused because one source had said that the neighbor did see Scott stab his wife, but during the trial, the neighbor said that he didn't see the attack, but he did see Yarmula lying on the ground near the pool and that Scott was walking through his house, turning lights on and off and wiping and like wringing his hands nervously. Okay. And the neighbor said that he did watch as Scott put gloves on and rolled his bo- wife's body into the pool, holding her head under the water. So I'm not sure which one's 100% correct. I've seen- So she was already dead when he held her under the water? Maybe. I don't know. It seems like she would have been. Of course, I don't know, but you'd, you'd think if she, after 44 stabs to the body, she was dead and then he went to hold her under the water as if to drown her? Well, it depends where those stab wounds were and how shallow they were. That's true. But, like, hypothetically, you know, 44 stab wounds, she's dead, and then he's going over to hold her under the water. That kind of checks out with he doesn't know what's going on because why would he try to drown someone who's already dead? Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, yeah, that makes sense. I just think that's an interesting point, that he, after stabbing her 44 times, also tried to drown her. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. So I don't, I assume I'm, I'm more likely to believe that what was said on the stand was true, that the neighbor didn't see him stab her, but he did see all the other events. Right. Just because that was what was said on the stand. So Scott's attorney was going to have him plead guilty by reason of insanity, but Scott's mother and sister stated that he used to sleepwalk a lot when he was younger. So he does, he was not proven, but you know, his family did corroborate that he had a history of sleepwalking. Okay. And his mother had told 2020 in 1999, quote, there were several times he came down the stairs fully dressed and walked into the living room and he was all ready for school and it was like midnight. Uh, then one time he came down the stairs and he was probably 15 or 16 and he was stark naked. The next day you'd ask him about it or talk to him about it and he had absolutely no idea that this had happened. (laughs) That's kind of funny. I know. (laughs) So that's what his mom said. And then his sister, Laura, had stated that one time when Scott was about 20, she saw him sleepwalking in the kitchen and he was heading for the back door. So she went went to try and stop him and he grabbed her by the shoulders and just absolutely threw her across the room. Oh my God. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, lends to the whole no sudden loud noises, no, no like harsh pokes and movements. But she had said to 2020, quote, he looked just so angry. He looked almost demonic. I have never seen him look like that. Never. So, that's pretty interesting. That is... Yeah. I don't know, this does kind of corroborate the story. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can always argue that, like, it's his family, so they're gonna try to well, yeah, do whatever, of but... of course, but I, I think it's an interesting endeavor. Yeah. And Scott had said that he, again, he did not remember any of these events, and while his attorney was, like, building his defense around these episodes, he had thought it was too far-fetched. So Scott, even in the beginning of the trial, was like, sleepwalking seems like such a far-fetched idea, even though I don't remember doing this. Right. And I can't possibly explain any other way of how I could have done this. And he said, quote, this sounds to me like a Twinkie defense. Whatever that means. A twinkie defense. Yeah, so in the beginning, he was like, even though you, his defense team was trying to argue, you know, sleepwalking, he was like, this doesn't sound right, even to me, kind of thing. Right. And Scott did end up undergoing a sleep study, and this had led him to believe that sleepwalking was possible. 
Okay. It was argued in trial that Scott was stressed from overwork and was lacking proper sleep, which eventually caused him to sleepwalk and kill his wife. I think they said he was working like 10 hour days and he just wasn't sleeping right. And once again, you know, all this stress and lack of sleep, it just sort of, instead yeah. of him getting sleep paralysis, it he's all sleepwalking. Yeah, that's a thing too. Um, And the court even had two of the world's leading sleep experts at the time take the stand and they had stated that they did believe that Scott killed his wife while sleepwalking. Cool. And these okay. are, you know, these are people that are experts in studying sleep patterns and uh, stuff like that. And they stated that if, like, she had disturbed him in a sleepwalking state, he could have seen her as a threat. Right. Absolutely. But Especially, then, like, who knows what he was dreaming about. Yeah. But then, you know, at the same time, it's like, if, yeah, okay, if he was sleeping and saw her as a threat, what's with the blatant overkill? Right. But again, you know, if he was sleeping, who knows what the reason was behind it. And two of Scott's cellmates were called to the stand because they had said that they had seen Scott sleepwalking in their cell. So that further corroborates that he does have a history of sleepwalking and that it wasn't a one-time thing. Okay, I'm totally on board that he was sleepwalking. Or he just knew that he was a sleepwalker, so he knew he could use that as a defense. That too. Could have been pretending to sleepwalk in those cells because he knew that people were going to see it. That's true. Especially Mm -hmm. if he, like, had a history of it as a teenager. He's like, yeah, I gotta really play this up for the rest of my life. Yeah. Interesting. And like I said, Scott's children said that they came from a very loving family. His parent, their parents really loved each other and they had a really great upbringing and they testified that to the court. Right. And they were still willing to stick by their dad even after everything that happened. And I feel like that's an important indicator as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And the prosecutor told the court that Scott's bloody clothes and the murder weapon were found in the trunk of the car, and this was evidence of Scott intentionally hiding the murder weapon and trying to rid himself of his wife's blood. The trunk blood. of your car is not a place to hide something if you actually want to hide something. Well, I think it was in, like, a compartment, like, or, like, a little trunk thing in the back of the car, in the trunk of a car. Okay. Like, it was in a box or something. Oh. I I do want to argue against that theory, that if he was in a sleepwalking state, he's doing all this stuff subconsciously. Right. Stuff that's very routine. Yeah. He, I'm sure this man has seen a crime show or a crime movie in his lifetime and has seen or heard about a criminal hiding murder weapons, hiding the evidence. I think you think everyone's guilty all the time. Yeah, probably. Um, that's anxiety for you. Um, <laughs> you're right. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, Scott could his brain could have completely, like, recognized what he did and was like, shit, I gotta hide this kind of thing. Right. So I think that that can... That lends to the theory. Yeah, so, like, on one hand, I think that could prove that he was awake when it happened because he was trying to hide the evidence, but at the same time, like, he could have just subconsciously done that in his sleep. Mm-hmm. because he's, a, I mean, I assume he was a smart guy. He's working for, like, Motorola and stuff, working 10 hours a day. And eventually the jury did find Scott guilty of first-degree murder, and he was Aww. sentenced to life in prison. Oh, my God. Um, after his children had pled on the stand for their father not to get the death sentence. Aw. Yeah. How old were they? Like, teenagers. They Aww. were maybe in their late later teens. And some of the jury stated that they could believe that Scott killed his wife in a sleepwalking state, but they found it hard to believe that he went back out of the house to drown her, like still in a sleepwalking state. Right. And others noted that the murder weapon was a hunting knife in which Scott said he might have been using it to fix the pool pump, but the juror said a knife like that isn't used for anything other than to kill. I mean, I have my dad's old Vietnam machete just, like, in my house. I've never killed anyone with it, but I did chop a tree up with it once. I feel like 
I don't know, the just basing it off of what kind of knife it was is kind of like a moot point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if Scott was like an avid hunter or anything. I don't know why he would have had a hunting knife, but you know, maybe he just... For fixing pools, Emily. I guess so. That's for what he said. fixing pool pumps. And so Scott, to my knowledge, is still in prison where he says he practices meditation and has a healthy sleep schedule. Okay. He says he receives letters from other sleepwalkers and he encourages people with sleeping disorders to seek treatment. And both his children still stay in touch with him and they're very supportive of him. And Scott says that he hopes he will be reunited with his wife in heaven one day. He said, quote, she knows more. she's mad at him? This is really what he said. He said, okay. he said, quote, she knows more than I do about what happened that night and she will actually know how I've conducted myself since then. I want to be sure that I'm still worthy of her by how I carry myself now. Yeah. End quote. So, yeah, it's sort of like a redemption sort of thing. Like, right. oh, like if she sees how truly... I did not know what I was doing that night. I was not conscious and I'm... That I would never have, like, done that to her. Yeah, and that I'm accepting that I did it because someone saw it. I'm accepting my life sentence in prison, but I'm trying to turn it into something good by, you know, talking to other people that have these sleeping disorders and advocating for seeking treatment and help with these sleepwalking disorders. Right. So stuff like that. And that's, that's with that case. What do you think? Like, what is, what is your stance I, on I that? I do think he was sleepwalking. I really do. People have done wild shit while sleepwalking, and if he had a history of it, and everybody in his life is corroborating the fact that he had a history of it, mm-hmm. and also that he loved his wife and wouldn't have done that, like, yeah, you know. I think his background, like you said, is very helpful in that situation. It sounds like he he's from a pretty religious background when he was very into the his church and their belief system and stuff so just from family and friends accounts I find it hard to believe that you know he would suddenly just fucking snap right seem like that type of guy from the little we heard about it but yeah that's crazy yeah that's so fucking crazy I feel like I feel bad (laughs) yeah that's so sad that he like killed his wife obviously fucking tragic but also ruined his life and kind of his kids lives For something that he seemed to have zero control over. Yeah. I think it's weird that he got a life sentence and not just, like, a long sentence. Well, because they were going to try to go for the death penalty, and I think that was really where it was heading until his children were like, like, please, like, just... Like, we just lost our mom, please don't take our dad. Yeah, like, you need to understand that with his history, that even if you don't believe that it's possible, show some leniency, because you don't know. Right. 100% sure, but for certain that he wasn't sleepwalking. You're not a sleep expert, you don't know. Especially if world-renowned sleep experts agreed that he very well could have been sleepwalking yeah. and you're just not gonna listen yeah exactly you know those people don't wear masks either yeah i was like that's literally anti-vaxxers being like i'm not gonna listen to dr fauci why would i listen to science when my personal experience says that it's wrong when facebook tells me it's wrong i watched a 20 minute youtube video so i know that these doctors who studied for all their lives um are wrong i look at tiktok i know that i shouldn't get the vaccine because it has 5g in it and dead babies i don't want dead babies in 5g and <laughs> communism in my veins thank you (laughs) i'll just get covid (laughs) all right i know a lot of people say that like various sleep disorders can't hurt you or kill you like oh it's just a nightmare it can't kill you well it might not kill you but it might kill your wife (laughs) but you might kill something yeah unfortunately yike on a bike and i do have another case that's sort of similar But this happened in 1987, so it was a bit older, and this also 
happened in Canada. So the laws were a bit different. And so basically in 1987, another man claimed that he was sleepwalking when he committed a murder. And this happened in May, May 24th, 1987. 23-year-old Kenneth James Parks left his home driving 14 miles to his in-law's house. And he had a key to their house because, you know, there is in-laws. And he let himself in while they were still asleep because it was still pretty early in the morning. And he entered their bedroom and bludgeoned his mother-in-law, Barbara, to death with a tire iron. Oh, shit. And he also managed to seriously injure his father-in-law, Dennis, but Dennis actually ended up surviving. Cool. And after that, he just left the house after beating these people. And then he got in his car, drove down to the police station. He entered the station all covered in blood, and he was like, and this is a quote, I just killed someone with my bare hands. Oh my god, I just killed someone. I've just killed two people. My god, I've just killed two people with my hands. My god, I've just killed two people. (laughs) My hands, I just killed two people. I killed them. I just killed two people. I've just killed my mother and father-in-law. I stabbed and beat them to death. It's all my fault. End quote. So that sounds like a confession. (laughs) Oh yeah. To me. Oh yeah. And also... To the nth degree. Yeah, like when I was reading it, that he said that pretty much word for word it sort of sounds like what a sleepwalker would say like they would repeat themselves yeah and just not really also, make much sense but also someone in the state of shock yeah very true as well very true crazy so anyway they were the cops were like we just got a confession and we didn't even know about the murder and so they arrested him for first degree murder of his mother-in-law and then attempted murder of his father-in-law And when the case went to trial, Kenneth's defense attorney claimed that he couldn't be held liable for his actions because he was sleepwalking when he committed them. Okay. And during this time, there was no, like, legal precedence for violence while sleepwalking under Canadian law, so it was really hard to go about how how to either convict or acquit him. Yeah. And so it was just really hard to convince the jury, obviously, because it's, like, it's hard to believe. Yeah. (laughs) And around this time... Just like in our previous case, Kenneth was under major stress uh, during the time of the murders. He was working 10-hour days on a project. He was a project coordinator for an electric company, and he was also experiencing a lot of financial problems because he was gambling pretty heavily on horse races. Ooh. Yeah. And he actually ended up embezzling $30,000 from his employer, which obviously led to his being fired oh my life is so stressful because i keep gambling and stealing money from my job and now i'm fired and now i murdered people yeah now i murdered people (laughs) now i just murked someone you know as soon as you were telling this story i was kind of like yeah you know even if it's one of those stories that they're really close with the in-laws because in a lot of cases unfortunately people don't always get along with their in-laws so in-law murder is not that crazy Mm -hmm. but there's always the story that they he might have gotten along with them really well, but I almost wondered right off the bat if there was money involved. Oh, that's what I was gonna... Because then now you're yeah. talking about him yeah. being out of money and all that shit, so I'm like, you know, I kind of called it in my brain. I should have said something out loud. And that's literally what the prosecutors were like, trying to argue, is that the motive could have been for money. It's always money. But... Apparently, he had a really good relationship with his wife and the in-laws, and he was very very close to his mother-in-law who would refer to him as the gentle giant 
ironically. <laughs> Until. Yep. And they were even helping him and his wife financially, so that kind of rules out a motive for financial oh, gain. okay. Because they were very willing to help okay. the both of them. That's, that's interesting. And they were helping the both of them. Yeah. So that was the argument for that. And they did have sleep experts come in, and they did an EEG measurement of his brain activity while asleep and awake, and they did say that the findings were consistent with findings from other people that also suffer from sleepwalking. Okay. And this is what's interesting. He was ultimately acquitted of murder. Interesting. Yeah, in May of 1988, and five- Canada, man! Yeah, literally. Five physicians who ranged in specialties, so from psychiatry to uh, sleep disorders, they took the stand, and all five of them agreed that they believed Kenneth wasn't mentally ill and that somnambulists, who, you know, sleepwalkers, who commit criminal offenses rarely reoffend. That was them kind of being like, okay, yes, this did happen. Most likely he was, in fact, sleepwalking because it shows in his EEGs. Right. And... And it's not going to happen again. Yeah, and it's not, it's... He's not dangerous. Yeah, he's not, like, a danger to anybody. It was just a, a very rare, yeah, very rare occurrence. Interesting. And the court stated that there was insufficient evidence to prove he was a reoccurring danger to the public, or that he was, quote, insane at the time of the murder. And so, basically, he was acquitted of murder due to somnambulism and is now leading a quiet and normal life. Interesting. Yeah. I thought I wanted to mention that one because I just thought it was really interesting that fucking Canada, man. Yeah, I feel like if this had happened in the U.S., they'd be like death penalty. Oh, for sure. That's what they did to the other guy. Yeah, that's Weird. what they tried to do. Yeah. So uh, I feel like Canadians are just really nice. <laughs> I, know. I know. I only know like three Canadians. They're standard. I. <laughs> they're they're I. I. Canadians are I. But yeah. yeah fucking Canada, eh? I, I thought that one was really interesting, and also, like, it's just so hard to, like, believe or not believe that it was sleepwalking for either of these cases, just because right. both families said for both people that, like, they had a really good home life, there right. was no, like, problems within the family, maybe besides stress and, like, with, in regards to work and, like, maybe money problems, but, mm -hmm. like... But it seems like also in this case... It was kind of more... It was, like, more extra. Like, he drove how far? 14 miles. Yeah, he drove 14 miles and killed these people, and the other guy just, like, accidentally killed his wife who happened to be sleeping next to him, and he almost got the death penalty. It was, it's very strange because both cases, like, the murder was just so drawn out. Like, this man drove so right. long, apparently in his sleep, to try to murder his in-laws and then ended up driving right to the police station after that and with the other guy scott he freaking dragged his wife outside stabbed the shit out of her went back inside got chained went back outside pushed her into the pool and drowned her and then went back inside and tried right. to hide the murder you know what i mean it was it was a process it was yeah. a swimming dance i just that's i guess it's crazy what you can do in in yeah. in that sleepwalking state yeah, I've never done anything that crazy, for sure. No, but I, I mean, it is a thing that people do, are able to actually drive. And it kind of reminds me of, like, a fugue state, you know, because... That's what I was thinking, too. They're literally able to drive, and then they just can't recall it at all. And they are so un... They're so unaware of what's happening and what they're doing, but they're complete... Like, their body is doing it without their brain's permission. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of the same as a fugue state. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, 
I wonder, and but I like a fugue state happens just randomly, yeah, right? just like, out of just, nowhere. Yeah, it can, it can last days. Yeah, so it's like I wonder if sort of the same thing is going on when this happens. You know, when both of these things happen, that's crazy, man. The brain is absolutely amazing and complex. Our brain does wild things. We can't even begin to understand half of the shit it does. Well, we've begun to understand. <laughs> a little tiny bit, maybe. There's, there's a lot more of the code to be cracked, but I think we're we're making some pretty good headway. <laughs> Especially regarding, like, mental illness and the patterns. Yeah. Like, when they do those brain scans and they can show, like, what the brain kind of looks like with certain mental illnesses. Yeah. And what the differences are in the brain. Yeah. I thought that, I think that's really cool, because... I remember looking at, like, different types of brains. Yeah. And, like, this is an OCD brain. This is an anxiety brain. This is a depression brain. I'm like, oh, wow, mash all three together and that's me. Right. <laughs> this is a brain that just doesn't do its job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, those, this was our very sleepy episode. Definitely. Our sleepy, spooky episode. Which, okay, which do you think is scarier? I mean, I, I think the answer is kind of obvious. But which do you think is scarier, sleepwalking or sleep paralysis? I think, honestly, I think actually that could be a hard question because I know a lot of people would be really afraid to murder someone in their sleep because well, that's yeah. scary, but also <laughs> at the same time, sleep paralysis is fucking scary. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> so many people on earth sleepwalk, and how many stories do we have of people yeah. doing things like this? But sleep paralysis can happen to up to almost half of people, so that one you're more likely to be affected by, for sure. Definitely. and More, if- more likely to be traumatized yeah. by, I should say. Yeah, because a lot of people sleepwalk, but not to the extent where they're going to try to murk they someone. They kill their wife. Yeah. And their wife's mom in bed. That's crazy, man. They're both scary. I think sleep paralysis is probably scarier. Yeah. I mean, I've had experiences with both, and, like, the sleep paralysis only happened one time, but that was fucking traumatic. Yeah. But, like, sleepwalking's not been too bad. And you don't remember it when you're sleepwalking. Yeah. So. Most of the time, yeah. So I'm like, Whatever. Let me sleepwalk as long as I don't end up sleepwalking off a bridge or something. <laughs> oh, shit. That would, that would suck, wouldn't it? <laughs> I just want to know how people can drive while they're sleepwalking. That's the craziest shit I've ever heard. I don't know. It's kind of like turning your brain on autopilot. You know, you start driving and then suddenly you're, you're at work and you're like, oh, shit, how'd I get here? Yeah, like, at was, least... Were any of those lights even green? Did I even stop? Yeah. And at least, like, this guy went to his in-law, so I would assume that he's taken those roads many times. Yeah, it's like a very familiar yeah. route. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I would say so. Crazy shit, man. Yeah. Even when we're sleeping, shit be going crazy. Yeah, and that's kind of a scary thought, because that's when you're your most vulnerable. You know who knew that? I'll say it one more time. Richard Ramirez. <laughs> Calling you out again, homeboy. Calling people in their sleep is little dick energy. I diagnosed you with small pee-pee, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, Richard Ramirez, this is the Night Stalker. If you're interested, please listen to last week's episode on the Cecil Hotel. Oh, yeah, that shit is crazy. We talked about Richard Ramirez. We talked about Elisa Lamb, yeah. which was spooky it as was hell. That was a really good one. Yeah. And next week, we have a really good one, too. But we've already done a few stories in the past about the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine. Yep. 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 So we did an episode before comparing the real-life story of The Conjuring and Annabelle to the mm-hmm. movies and see similarities differences etc how much of the movie is actually real what the real story was yep. so we did that we compared real cases to the movies and we're gonna do it again we're gonna do it again next week fam so for all you horror movie fans stay tuned for 
the spookies yeah. of the paranormal ghosties and our parents, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Our real mom and dad. Yeah. Rest in peace, both of them. Amen. Perhaps grandma and grandpa. That's more age. Yeah. Age yeah. Like. They would be our grandma and grandpa, probably. In the meantime, if you've got any spooky stories you would want to share with us that we can share on the podcast, I'm talking creepy home invasion, sleep paralysis stories. You see a weirdo in your neighborhood. <laughs> Did someone get murdered? Did someone find parts of a oh, body? Ooh. Did you have a haunted house? Did you see a UFO? Did you see Bigfoot while you were camping? We want to hear about it. We want to hear it all. Literally anything weird that's ever happened, we want to know we live for that Even shit. Even if it's just a weird crackhead on the corner that doing we, something weird. Yeah, we've got some crackheads in our neighborhood. They've got the best stories. Oh, yeah. Honestly, they're the best kind of people for those. Honestly, if all city crackheads could, like, go to war with each other, in upstate New York, Syracuse crackheads would win. <laughs> oh, no. Call out post Syracuse, New York. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, so if you've got any of those stories that you'd like to share, you can email us at ucf.pod at gmail.com, or you can follow us, DM us, whatever us, on Instagram and Twitter, at UCF Podcast. Um, and in the meantime, stay spooky, my friends.